These uh, three messages that I'm going to preach here this week, I want to uh, preach from the uh, 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians. I, I want to preach tonight verses 3 and 4, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going through until uh, I'm through on Wednesday night. Um, I don't do too much with subjects. I, I find that people remember subjects so well and don't remember the text. And, uh, and since... I'm not a topical preacher, so don't worry about the subject. Just remember the text. And then if you want a name, name it whatever you want to name it. Just don't bother me. <laughs> but I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom ye we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or accept another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. I'm fearful. I'm concerned. I'm upset. I'm disturbed. What's bothering this preacher? What's got him so disturbed? And my brothers and sisters, that which hath Paul disturbed ought to have us disturbed tonight. I was coming up uh, 79 here, and I stopped in Fairmount, West Virginia. And some of you know that's where the Brother Scott Richardson has labored for many years preaching the gospel. Well, Brother Richardson has a man his church that runs a, an Exxon station. I've known Daryl Hardiman for many years. And I stopped there intentionally to fill up gas and to speak with Daryl. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And uh, none of the Hardimans were there, the family who ran the, the Exxon station. They weren't there. There was a young girl running the store, the station. And I went in. I got my gas. And I said, uh, uh, is the owner here? She says, no. And I says, I'm, I'm an old friend of Daryl Hardiman's. I've preached some years ago at the Katy Baptist Church here for Brother Richardson. And I said, uh, and the Hardimans were good friends of mine. And so, again, to make the long story short, the young lady said to me, she says, well, you've heard about... Daryl's daughter, and I says, no. She said his daughter was buried last week. I said, oh, my. 
And so they're not back there. They're really disturbed over it. So she went on to talk, and she said a uh, few things. And I, I wrote Daryl a note while I was standing there. I said, I'll give it to him. She said, uh, and, uh, she said, the funeral was really interesting. I said, oh, yeah. She said, you know Brother Richardson? I said, oh, yes, I know him quite well. So the funeral was very interesting. She said, uh, uh, how could he say that a girl who's not even 30 that died is God's will? And seemingly all of his people believe that. I said, do you, you think it wasn't his will? She said, well, it, uh, it, it couldn't have been. I, I don't see how God could have willed something like that on a young person. Uh, she was such pretty, and she had a five-year-old kid. And I, I, don't see how God, I don't see how God could have done that. I don't, I don't see how God could have done that. I said, well, do, do, you, do you think he was able to stop it? She said, oh, yeah, he could have stopped it. I said, but she died. It, it wasn't his will, but he could have stopped it. Well, well then that, there's got to be somebody over him that controlled his will. She said, I never thought of it like that. I said, think of it like that. In that, in that uh, most complicated book by Gershner and uh, Sprawl and Lindsay on uh, classical apologetics, they, they make a statement that is not new, but uh, it's fresh on my mind from reading that book. Uh, Gershner and Lindsay and Sprawl says that um, um, the pagan, uh, the problem with the pagan is not that he doesn't know God is, but he just doesn't like the God who is. That's the problem. So, man then proceeds to be religious. But he cannot be religious hating the God who is. So he's gone about and invented him a God he's pleased with. Now I want to talk about him a little bit. I, I seldom preach about this other one, but he needs to be addressed because he's getting front row seat in, in a lot of churches. I, I visit sometimes, uh, uh, this quote, Calvinistically strong churches, and, and I see him even having a Sunday there. Paul says there are three monsters. That we must be concerned about. There are three monsters. And they are monsters. We must contend with them. They are before us. He said. Be on the lookout. There's another Jesus out. There is another spirit out. I think it's got them all laughing now. You seen that one? They, yeah. Well, they fall down and go to laughing. Just fall off and go to laughing. They're under the anointing. They, they're getting slain. I was 
And I heard a girl was telling me she had a meeting the other week and she had to go to the doctor, got her nose broke, she got anointed. I didn't know, I, I, I never heard this, uh, uh, the spirit beating up folk and breaking their noses and stuff. Uh, <coughs> she came back, she was all cut up, bleeding and stuff. And she said, I got my nose broke, but we had a great meeting. I said, well, maybe it'll get better next week. It'll break your neck. <laughs> Be careful. There is another spirit out. And if you've got another Jesus, if you've got another spirit, you've got to have another gospel. For the gospel we preach, the gospel that Paul preached, will not ascribe to another spirit, nor will they exalt another Jesus. How am I talking? Oh, I forgot. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> this other Jesus, I can't stay here too long. I haven't got that long to preach. This other Jesus is dangerous because they've so constructed him that he bears great similarity to the Son of God. And you can't always detect him by appearance. He's got to be tested and tried by Scripture. I said by Scripture. Because he's even so good. He can give you some things you ask for and make you believe he can answer prayer. He's sweeping our nation tonight. And I know some mighty fine brethren. I love them. And they would swear they are preaching the Jesus of the Bible. They would fight you. They would fight you. But Brother Ward, what do you mean? What do you mean? I know Jesus. I know the gospel. What do you mean I don't preach the gospel? I have a dear friend. We went through seminary together. And he says, you know, I, I, and I, he said, I'm going to tell you to your face. You've never invited me to Main Street to preach. And I said, I probably won't. <laughs> Why? And I said, oh, I, I, I was hoping we'd never get in this conversation. I really was. Because I'm afraid we might walk away tonight a little cold. I said, you don't preach the gospel. He said, what do you all mean by saying that? I said this, and I'm saying it tonight. You preach a Jesus who can't save. And brothers and sisters, I don't trust that one. You preach a Jesus that's powerless. And I preach a Jesus who's sovereign. And that's not a minor difference. That's a major difference. It says, now to the sinner, you come on to the Lord. You come on, now it's up to you. So now the Lord is in all he can do. 
Said he's done all he can do for you. Now, son, if you don't come, it's your fault because God's done all he can do. And I thought to myself, if, the, if God has done all he can do, what can the sinner do? I need a God who can do it all. I need a Christ who can keep me. When I understand clearly, when I don't understand clearly, when I'm right, when I'm wrong, when I'm up, when I'm down, I need one who's able to keep me. Who's able to keep me, I tell you, totally, absolutely. And the other Jesus can't do it. I need one to comfort me. Don't you? I need one who knows my thoughts afar off, who understands all of my ways, and who loves me for his name's sake. <laughs> I said to my friend, I wouldn't trust your Jesus because he takes away your salvation. He strips you of your righteousness. You, 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 he loses you every other year. And every time he loses you, you've got to go hunting for him. But mine came hunting for me. Ah, uh, that's not a minor difference. That's a world of difference. I tell you, we may leave this conference, and I'm sure we will disagree on eschatology, but we won't disagree on that. Amen. No, no. So you're all going to divide. Oh, nobody's going to divide. Nobody's going to divide. I'm not going to fight in the battle of eschatology. I'm in Christ. He's my Savior. And whatever he does is all right with me. I'm happy in Jesus alone. What else do you want? And don't leave here not speaking over eschatology. It's not in your hands anyway. You don't have to run it. Go on home and die. He'll get you up when you're supposed to get up. And he'll get you to where you need to be. Don't worry about that. Just make sure he's your anchor. He's your hope. Your Jesus can't save. He's weak. He's weak. He can't promise me security. Well, I tell you what. The older I get, I'm a little more gracious. I used to would fight a man 10 years ago. I'd fight him. I mean with my fists. I've talked bad to folk about it. Such ridiculous things. I'm a little more gracious. When I hear a person talking now, I, I don't get mad at the person so quick. I examine as to what Jesus they're talking about. And when uh, they're talking about a Jesus who doesn't fit the scripture, I know they're talking about the other one. Well, I'm not going to waste my time fighting the other one. I'm just going to preach this one. How is that? 
And if you preach this one, he'll take care of the other one. Because if he ever captures a man's heart, the other one's got to go. I preached a sermon one night in our church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and there was a lady who had been shacking with a man, I guess, about 30 years. And I preached a sermon against it, and I preached, I preached to the decency and the morality of this faith. And so anyway, to make the long story short, when he came home, she had, her, he, she had his clothes all packed up and, and everything tied up real nicely. And the man came home and said, what's going on? She said, well, uh, uh, you've got to go. She said, well, he said, well, what, what, what did I do, baby? We've been together. She said, another man moved in. Yeah. Do you think it's proper for me to sleep in the bed with two men? He said, who is the other man? She said, his name is Jesus. You don't have to put out the other one. Just wait till he moves in. The other one's got to go. Why does he ring supreme in churches and synagogues and every other kind of mess tonight? Because the other one is not known. You ever come to know Jesus Christ, your false mess has got to go. Don't spend all your days. We've got a new thrust of the, of the Muslim movement coming into Lexington. And a few of the so-called evangelicals who are not evangelicals at all but uh, they, they think they are and they got together and said, what, what are we going to do and they said brother Ward won't you come to meetings I'm tired of coming to meetings I, I'm tired of going to meetings and, uh, and, uh, and having uh, tea and cookies and then sit around discussing I said well, what are you going to do I said I'm going to do what I've been doing all the time I'm going to do what I've been doing for years standing every Sunday morning declaring Jesus Christ then they got on my sore spot and said, well, if we don't, if we don't, uh, if we don't do something to combine forces, he, he might lose some folk. <laughs> ah, there you go. He said, ah, we, he, we might lose some of these young people. They could get lost and, and God could be reaching for them and they could be, ah, ah. Then my real stuff came through. <laughs> it, 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 it'll jump through on you, won't it? When you hear talk like that, the real stuff. Ha, ha, who? Lose what? He can't lose. He's already got him. The day God sets his love on one, he loses it. He's got to abdicate the throne. And he will not come off of the throne. Don't you worry, don't you worry. They may go there to the mosque and join the Muslims. But I tell you what, if at the cross he dropped a drop of blood for them, they shall come to him. Do you hear me talking to you? They shall come to him. They'll look at their Muslim mess and say, I got to go. Something's calling me down the inside. Says, no, it stays. I would stay if I could, but I got to go. Something's got a hold to my heart. That's the Jesus of the Bible. Does anybody believe in him? Watch this other spirit too. It's wild and loose. But it can't lead you. And it will not point you to Christ. 
will not point you to Christ. And you can refer to it as it. <laughs> it can't point you to Christ. It doesn't have a finger to it. It brings glory to its own operation. It honors itself. It honors itself. It glorifies itself. It puffs up itself. It glories in high seats, titles, and in dominions. Watch it. Watch it. It's a beguiling thing. It offers comfort to a sinner in sin. A sinner is comfortable with this new spirit. Because you see, he can walk out, murder 15 men, blow up the building in Oklahoma, and then he can go across the street and go in the little box and slide the door back and do about 10 Hail Marys and run him down the rosary and the man he told it to can't tell it. And he walks out feeling good. That's a bad spirit. It is not the spirit of Christ. It is not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ will point one away from oneself and point one to Jesus Christ. As in the face of Jesus Christ, the shackles of sin falls off. Amen. As in the face of Jesus Christ, you are made free. It's in the face of Jesus Christ, you sing to God be the glory. For great things he hath done. Watch this of the spirit that's moving through. It's a spirit of envy. It's a spirit of jealousy. It's a spirit of division. It's a spirit of hatred. It's a spirit of anger. Watch this of the spirit. It's a competitive spirit. It's dangerous to us. And it moves through. It moves through. I've been, I've been to places where men had to, uh, uh, surprisingly, and they talked the right doctrine, but they had the wrong spirit. Have I got any warriors? They talked the right talk, but they had a bad spirit. And that's dangerous. They were being led by an alien spirit. Let it not be said of us. Let it not be said of us. Let it not be said of us that we are profound in our doctrine, but we are rotten with our spirits. Oh, blessed Holy Spirit, break my heart to the things of Christ. Bring me into his face. Let me behold him. Let me look at him. Examine me, work on me, carve me, mold me, make me every day. I want to be like him. This other gospel, this other gospel has no convicting power. Did you hear what I said? And a sinner needs to be convicted. He needs to be convicted. He needs to be convinced. 
He needs Christ. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we are never given over to this silly membership drive <laughs> that's so popular in the world today. Everywhere I go, churches have got signs up all over the yards, all over everywhere. They're having a membership drive. Anything they can do to get them some new members. Our goal this year is to get 100 new members. And bless your soul, they're going to get them too. <laughs> they're going to get them. Yes, sir, they're going to get them. They have a frog fight to a pig dance. They're going to get them. They're going to get them. But you see, you can't preach the gospel when you're having a membership drive. <laughs> you can't preach the gospel in a membership drive because you've got to say things that's pleasing. You can't expect to get your 100 members telling folk about the wages of sin is death. You can't preach a good sermon on depravity trying to get 100 new members. You've got to tell a man he's a good person. You've got to tell him we need a fellow like you on our trustee board. <laughs> Especially when he's president of the bank. You've got to say a fellow with your mind and with your learning and the degrees you hold and, and you're teaching out there at the University of Kentucky, we need you in our Sunday school department. Everybody that's got a doctorate in sociology can't teach Sunday school. Sometimes the old gal in there can't, doesn't know a verb from a pronoun, can do far better than a PhD in Sunday school. Ha, ha, ha. She may not can read correctly, the Lord is my shepherd, but she knows he is. Yeah. How am I talking? How am I talking? This gospel can't convict. It's got to make you feel good. It's got to make you comfortable in your wrongs. It's got to make you comfortable in your filth and your sin. It can't disturb you. It won't disturb you. It won't, it won't prick you. It won't bother you. Sometimes, sometimes, my worst nights have been, and I've been to a good preaching meeting. It wasn't the beef and the cabbage I ate, it was the gospel I heard. <laughs> I'd tell my wife, I said, oh, I'm just tired, I guess I can't go to bed tonight. I guess it was something I ate, it was something I ate, you're right about that. Why in the world did he preach on that tonight? Because the gospel will make you walk the floor sometimes. It'll wake you up and scratch your head. It'll show you your shortcomings. It'll show you where you've fallen off. It'll show you how far you are. It'll make you miserable. I heard old Dr. Vance, the late Dr. Vance Abner say one time in Moody years ago, 20 years ago, he said, I tell you what's wrong with most of our churches. He said, everybody's going home with the answers. And what we need to do is leave some of these churches confused. <laughs> we need to leave confused. We need to leave scratching our heads saying, what happened? 
what went on, what was that? And the only answer we've got, God was there. And when you think you've got him figured out, you've got him wrong. God was there. God moved. God stirred. God shook. God shook the building. God shook my heart. Some of us have never been disturbed in our lives. We've got all the answers. I'm literally afraid of the title Doctor of Theology. That's a frightening thing to me. It scares me to death every time I see it behind a man's name. THD. Ah! Scares me to death. My brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters, I don't think any of us ever arrive, I don't care where you've studied, how many books you've read, and how many men you've studied under. Nobody arrives where you can track him perfectly. Because he's too much God. He's a wonder to my soul. He's a wonder to anybody's soul in here. You ought to leave mystified. Sometimes you ought to leave here saying, what a mighty God. What a God. What a God. What a God. See that building in Oklahoma? Y'all see that? Wasn't that something? And you see the lucky ones that came out alive? Did you do it? They were lucky too. What do you mean they weren't lucky? Yeah. You see the lucky ones? The woman said she was lucky. The FBI said they were lucky. And how are you going to set up here and defy the FBI? <laughs> the FBI said they were lucky. We better say they were hard lucky. When I saw that building and I saw that building and anybody walked out, I said, oh, what a mighty God. What a mighty God. Nobody could do that but God. And the redeemed of the Lord ought to say so. I don't care if your best friend has come to see you from wherever. Don't let that be said in your house. Call that matter into question right there. I love you, dear. I'm glad you came to see me. But they did not arrive by luck. They came out by grace. God was pleased to demonstrate his mercy. That's how they brought him out. Somebody ought to speak of God. I'm getting radical as I can get. They don't mind getting up here and talking about the, the other Jesus. We who know about the real one ought to stand up and say something about him. And quit sitting around the little city clubs and little rotary meetings and everything and trying to get Polly Foxes with the mayor and, and get to tiptoeing around with the judges and the, and the folk downtown and shut your mouths up and then come to these conferences. Holly, amen. Holly, amen down there in City Hall. Tell the judge he's alive. Tell the lawyer he's sovereign. What about telling me? I already knew it before I got here. Tell somebody didn't know it. Well, I don't think, I think we ought to water it down a little bit and just don't get too, get too, you know what I mean. <laughs> the Lord's blessed Main Street, the great outreach ministry. We hold services in jails and prisons, and, and we went over in the 
one of the parks, and we went over to one of the housing projects, and the community gave us a room. We hold church over there. We hold it everywhere. And elders are going all over the city of Lexington preaching. So the, the Cardinal Hill Hospital heard about the ministry and said, we have a lot of folk here being rehabilitated. And we wonder if you could, uh, you or some of the men come out here at least once a month and hold a worship service for about 45 minutes. Oh, another opportunity. Be glad to. Well, about two weeks later, I got a letter from the chaplain. And he said, Dear Brother Ward, I'm so pleased that you accepted to hold the services here at the service. However, in, in, in uh, the chapel service here at Cardinal Hill, uh, we, 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 we would, uh, we would uh, be pleased to have more messages of comfort. <laughs> we, we wouldn't want to disturb anybody. Well, I did better than write him a letter. I went to see him. Never was too good about writing letters, but I, 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 could, I could talk to you. <laughs> said, I got your letter, Dr. Harvey. I got your letter. He said, yes, I'm, I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased. And I said, Dr. Harvey, what, what, do, you, what do you mean right, this, with this line right here? What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean right there? He said, well, I want something... Uh, uh, a, 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 a soothing that's, uh, that's meditative. He says, uh, like, uh, 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 he said, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I said, well, before you get to the shepherd, you've got to get to the Lord is. <laughs> and you can't get any comfort about the shepherd if you don't know the Lord is. You can't just jump over and get the shepherd. You've got to go by the Lord is. And sometimes, you know, to get any real, real, real corn from the ground, you've got to plow it up. And maybe we're not the church you want. He said, I, 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 I do, Brother Ward, I do. But I, I, he said, to, uh, 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 I, I don't mean, I, I think it, it should not be loud. <laughs> I, said, I, I said, you teach me sign language, I'll do that. But even in that, if it's gospel, it'll prick you. It'll prick you. For that boy sitting there in that wheelchair, and that girl maimed, that body all twisted, needs to know you're not going to heaven because you've been in a car wreck. That little girl over there breathing, trying to live. She, she's got to realize she's not going to heaven because her husband stabbed her five times in the lung. She needs to know she needs to come to Christ. And if you want me over here just to read you a few words and read you some poems, read them yourself. You are United Methodist. You are better than that than I am. I'm a preacher, mister. I'm a preacher. God called me to preach. Ordained by God to preach. You don't need my ministry over here. Every one of them, I don't care what condition they're in, they've got to know they've got to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch that other gospel. Paul said, I fear it. I fear it. Paul said, there's a person 
Uh, there's a person here you, you had better watch too, and I, I won't stay on him long. But it's um, I don't know what I don't know what his name is, but uh, Paul just calls him he. That was before the women started preaching. <laughs> he, she, shim, any of them anywhere. There was a person to turn against. Now, how, how far do we go in this? How far do we go? I can go to the restaurant, and if I see Brother So-and-So come in the restaurant, he walks in, how you doing, Brother Ward? I say, how you feeling? And he's the pastor of the, the church of the new light running through the sky. And, and, uh, <laughs> and he says, uh, how you doing, Brother Ward? I'm doing fine, sir, doing fine, doing fine. He said, may I sit? Oh, yes, sir, you may sit, yeah. Bring, uh, bring, uh, bring him a cup of coffee. Have a cup of coffee. It's a lovely day. It's a lovely day. How is your wife? She's doing fine. And yours? She's doing fine. And uh, how is your dog? He's doing good. Uh, uh, I carried him to the vet the other day. He's a good dog, well trained. Well, I heard your mother's been ill. How's your mother? Well, mama's doing good. And tell her you ask about it. I'm very concerned about your mother. I heard she had the bad case of the virus. And I'm glad to see you. You're looking well. Beautiful shoes you got on. Where you get those shoes? I like your suit. Oh, man, that's a beautiful suit. Get that from doll hairs, I suppose. Oh, it looks like a doll hair suit. Well, isn't it a lovely day? Isn't our city doing good? Oh, Lexington is growing. Yes, sir. Good to see you. That's about as far as I can go. Because I've got orders from the scripture. If you're preaching another Jesus, another gospel, and adhering to another spirit, turn against you. And I cannot, I cannot walk hand in hand with you when you hate my Jesus. Anybody agree with me there? I'll give you a piece of bread. I'll, if your house burned down, I'll even send you some money. I'll take up an offering and I'll, uh, 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 you got little children outdoors, I'll, uh, I'll help them get a house. I, I, I think that's human kindness, but when it comes to this, there's no compromise. My brothers and sisters, he who comes and preaches and promotes an unbiblical truth, it's always about the other. And the other is another. And the another other is not the one. A man had the nerve to say to me, well, you just Jesus crazy. And I said, well, you just crazy. <laughs> At least my insanity has an antecedent. Yours has none. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. My beloved, that report ought to be out on you in your cities. I love Jesus. I love the Jesus of the Bible. I love him. He's my savior. Paul says, Paul said there is a, there are three monsters in the text. I've told you about that. But there's a person to watch. 
and, uh, and, and I, I've spoken lightly about him, beloved, but, but be very careful for, uh, I got a call, oh, about a year ago. He said, Brother Ward? I said, yes. He said, uh, I'm Dr. So-and-so. He said, I, I pastor the a little Presbyterian church there. He says, and I'm a Calvinist. I says, yes, sir. Aren't you excited? <laughs> I says, no, I'm slow. <laughs> I don't heat up the skillet because I hook the fish. I'm going to draw him in. <laughs> slow. He says, I heard you are Calvinist. He said, I'd love to come by and meet you. So let's meet down to the little place. I said, well, I eat a lot down to the Deshaies here on the corner of Broadway and Main. I said, we'll see you. I'll just meet down there. And we met. And true enough, true enough, true enough. Boy, he had those five points. Yeah, he put John Calvin himself to shame on those five points. <laughs> yes, sir, buddy, he had those five points. Then he said to me, he says, I must be honest with you, Brother Ward, I met you for another reason. He said, I've got a problem in my congregation, and I don't really know how to deal with that. He says, I thought maybe you could help me as one Calvinist to another. He said, as you can imagine, having called you, it's a racial problem. What a wonderful grin like that when they, <laughs> when they finish I'm evil. Why'd they do that? Just, uh, <laughs> Why'd you call me? What do you want me to do about it? He says, well, I've got a little girl there in my church, he says, and uh, I, Brother Ward, you know how it is. He's seeing a young man and uh, He's of uh, your persuasion. I said, he's Baptist? <laughs> he said, that's a good joke, Brother Ward. Of, uh, of, uh, of, uh. He said, I, I, I mean of your color. Oh, I said, oh, I wasn't persuaded to be black. <laughs> It just happened like that. <laughs> and what's your problem? What's your problem? So we can't have that that's destroying the harmony of our church. I said, Pastor, if a black boy and a white girl, a white girl and a black boy is dating in Main Street, I tell them, here's what you're going to face. You won't face it for me, but here's going to face. If you love her and she loves you and you got to smell her breath, she got to smell your breath, and you want to go through that and marry and go on about your business. He says, but uh, we've got to protect the church. I said, don't worry about it. She's already been bought and paid for. The church is in good shape. 
The church is fine. They won't hurt it. If it was a sin, they could hurt the church. He kept getting redder, and he, he says, well, I have not reached that point in my life. His voice changed. He turned from a Calvinist to a racist. And I looked at him, and I said, if you believe what you claim to believe, it'll comfort some of that mess in your heart. There's pure hatred in your eyes. You're mad enough to fight somebody. Do you have a hood in your house? <laughs> Do you? Watch it, watch it. Watch it, my beloved. Watch it. Be careful. Be careful, I tell you, be careful. For the rattle off points and the rattle off doctrines and the spot off scriptures does not mean your heart has been conquered by the grace of God. It's not enough to walk down some silly aisle and repeat some little silly man-made prayer and for somebody to baptize you and for somebody to bring you to church and put you up in the choir and put you on this and put you on that. Um, I still preach a man needs to be born again. He needs to be sired from above. That's the difference. That's the difference a saved man and a man who goes to somebody's church. Paul said, now this is, my, this is my problem. The danger in the text is that when these fellows come, ye might well bear with them. <laughs> well, some of us are tolerate anything to get an appointment at a big meeting. I remember years ago, the, the popular black preacher, E.V. Hill, used to preach at least a little gospel. But now any place he can get on television, that's where he's going. The larger the crowd, the better. Brothers, he'll give you the kingdoms of this world if you'll fall down and worship him. He'll give them to you. Or what are you? That little mess you believe is not, is not popular anymore. It's not popular. Some of you living in cities, you have to drive 50 miles, 100 miles to hear the gospel. And your neighbors all living around you wondering why in the world you are so stuck up and so proud and so arrogant you can't go to the church down the street. Well, I tell them it ain't worth getting up getting the bath over it's a waste of gas. Why mess up a good clean shirt and breeches to go out and hear that mess? It's not worth anything. Who do you think you are? Where is your God? Why are you so particular? I'm particular because he's particular. Ah, I'm particular because he's particular. I'm worried that you might well bear with him. They might suck you in. 
you might start sending your children to their children's meeting. I told a member of my church, he said, well, the Catholics have such a better school system. I said, get them out. Get them out. Well, no, they're not, they're not teaching them. I said, get them out. You can't play with dirt and not get some of it on you. Well, they don't teach them. What do they call the man who walks around there with the collar on? That's teaching them. That's teaching them. They can't call him Mr. Jones. He's Father Jones. Isn't that a pity? Never been married, never had a wife. He's father never body. <laughs> There is a danger ye might well bear with them. There is a danger. There is a danger when you invited to your neighbors. Come over to the house Friday night. Our minister is going to have a devotion. And, and uh, we're going to sing a few songs. It's nothing, just a little devotion. There is a danger. We have got to, as never before, contend for the faith. Do you all hear me preaching to you? I'm about through. We've got this never more at contend for the faith. For there is a movement against our God as strong as it's ever been in the world. There is a movement. There is a movement to turn man from grace. And cast him upon himself. Make him dependent upon self. There is a movement. And because many times our congregations will not grow with the rapidity they want, we want them to grow with. We are tempted to say, well, let's try a little pinch of this. Because in all the churches they say, well, we're all working trying to get to the same place, aren't we? I say, no, I'm not working to get no place. I'm already there. Well, we all, this, you know, we all trying to make it in. I, said, I made it. Well, I mean, we all, we all God's children. I don't know about that. He loves us all. He, he died for us all. And, and we're all going to heaven when we die. And we, we, we all, and, and, and that's, that's, that's all I'm concerned about. You know, that we, 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 we are, we're all just one. No, we're not just one. My brothers and sisters, what is the danger there? The danger is they're robbing God of his glory. If this other Jesus has got one thing on his agenda, it's to rob the true God of glory. And somebody in this meeting ought to be concerned about his glory. Somebody in this meeting ought to be concerned about his glory. That's a danger you might well bear with him. 
you might continue to put up with this mess that is infiltrating even our own houses. My son said to me the other day, he says, Daddy, he says, uh, we all do something in our church that my friend Aaron's father is a pastor and he did something in his, his day in his church. He says, think about doing something in my church. He says, oh, what is it? He said, well, you know, to Aaron's daddy's church, he says, next Sunday they're having a Jehovah's Witness and they're having a Catholic and they're having a Muslim and they're having a, a Christian science and they're having some of them, as you call it. He says, because the pastor there wants them to hear the other sides. I said, well, come on, here is daddy's problem. There's only one side. Yeah. <laughs> and if you flip it, it's the same side. Every time you flip it, it comes up heads. <laughs> only one side. That's not a side. So the fella, let the fella come over, and here they come over, here they come over, and you know what they did? Took away the most of the young people. <laughs> I let them under, I let them in on the cloak of friendship. I let them in on the cloak of a brother. That's what Paul says. Be careful, be careful. Not so much with me and you, beloved, but you must safeguard the minds of your children. They are young and they are tender. When they are grown, you can't do anything with them. But you who have young siblings in your house, you young parents, watch where you let your children go. Watch who keeps your children. Watch, watch little Sunday evening affairs they go to. Because, you see, this is not done by outright combat. It's done through beguilement. Have I got some worries? I'm, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be through in a few minutes. It is done through beguilement. It's, 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 done, it's done through shrewd and it's crafty. It's deceitful. It's handing a kid a piece of candy and making him walk toward it. But the candy keeps getting further and further and further away from him. Watch, it's done through beguilement. It's done through recreation. It's done through bowling. It's done through softball. Watch him. He's a beguiling thing. Well, they've already called us narrow. Why worry about that? Already called us selfish. Why worry about that? We knew what we were going through a long time ago. If you don't know, read the scriptures. It's clear. They will corrupt their minds. Their minds will be corrupted. They will bend their minds. Foolish perceptions. A girl came in to talk to one of the elders of the church the other day. I was in the office. He was there talking to him. And he came and knocked on my office door. He said, can you come over here? And I said, for what? He said, I, you need to hear this one. I said, I'm sure it's nothing new. She said, she's getting rid of God because God failed her. She said, there is no God. He failed her. 
I said, wait a minute. I went over there and said, there is no God. Yes, he failed you. Yes. I said, make up your mind. <laughs> make, make up your mind. He failed you. But there isn't a God. Then you're a fool. So you got me confused. You right, you're confused. I didn't do it. And the brother said, be tender with us. I'm tired of being tender. Tired of it. This girl is selling the gospel here for years. and come telling me there's no God. Why? Because he promised me I'd get married in three years. He didn't promise you that. I looked at her. It's a blessing you get married anytime. time. <laughs> I didn't mean that. 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 I, I, I. And, then, and, then, and then he let my mama die. He did what? He let, I, I prayed for my mother to live and my mother died. Who is your mother? What made your mother gold? My mother's dead. A whole lot of folks' mothers dead. Do you think we want them to die? You think I asked God to please come take my mother? You think I didn't cry when my mother died? You've sat here all of these years and you haven't heard the gospel. And that's the whole problem with man today. They haven't heard the gospel and you have a wrong perception of God. That's the corruption of the mind. And when you don't get the truth straight, he will corrupt your mind. I watched the movie now on television, and these two guys was out. And uh, one guy, they were talking. One was a pretty well rich kid, another was a middle class kid. And his dad just got him a, got him a new car. He said, won't your dad buy your car? He says, no, won't buy me one. He said, go home and tell your dad, if he didn't buy your car, he doesn't love you. He'll get you one. Dad, boy's daddy was a millionaire many times. Okay, he rushed in the house. He says, dad, you gonna buy me a car? He says, no, not now. He said, I don't know what the fellow's name was. He said, well, Johnny said to tell you, if you don't buy me a car, you don't love me. And his dad was writing to the desk. He says, tell Johnny to drive his car to the airport. I'll let him run his car in your airplane, and we'll fly it somewhere. When you forget, when you forget what the Father has done for you, somebody can bend your perception of him. God can wipe out my whole family, take all of my money, lay me flat on my back with cancer. My lungs can collapse, and with my last breath, I'll still say he's a mighty God. He's a wonderful God. 
He's my everlasting Savior. You can't mess up my perception of God because all of the losses I have in this world will never add up to what he gave me. I tell you what he gave me. He gave me his son. My faith has found a resting place. I said my faith has found a resting place. I know the murderers out there. I know the children are killing the children. I know the blacks are killing the blacks. The whites are killing the whites. The whites are killing blacks. Everybody's killing everybody. We run around like mad dogs all up and down the streets. I know what's going on. But I tell you, I'm anchored in the Lord. One of my kind members brought me a little plaque to put on my desk. She was so thankful she brought it to me. I was thankful for it. And it says, ain't nothing going to come up today that me and God can't handle. And I said, thank you, baby. I just kissed her good. That's just so sweet. That is so sweet. I said, I need to operate on it just a little bit, and it'll be just fine for my desk. And I took out my pocket knife, and I went to cutting right there. She said, what's that? I said, we don't need no me in here. <laughs> can handle it all by himself. Is that good news? Is that good news? God can handle it all by himself. Well, I'm about through one more thing. And what was the aim of all of this? What, 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 did this? what did this another Jesus come about for? What, which cometh this other gospel, this other spirit? What, what, what was the purpose of all of it? What was the purpose of all of this? Paul said it was to turn you from the simplicity in Christ. It was to turn you from the simplicity that's in Christ. When I got to this point, I say, even the devil knows he's important. He staged the whole movement just to turn you from the simplicity that is in Christ. What does that mean? Well, simplicity here just doesn't mean what you think simplicity means. <laughs> That's what got me. That's what got me. That's what hung me. Every now and then I shout, you know. <laughs> and I, I run up on me a nugget, I might skip across the floor. I got something to jump about. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You may never do it, but you've got something to If you ever decide to, you've got something to jump about. <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever think about it, you've got good jumping ground. Mm -hmm. And when I jump, I'm going to jump with all my might, too. I mean, with the ground to tremble. The simplicity that is in Christ. The word, the word here means the all-sufficiency.
that's in Christ. The fullness, the purity, that's in Christ. The plenitude of Christ. The, I, I'm calling this one, the enoughness of Christ. See, Christ plus anything is no Christ. Uh, huh, huh? Christ plus anything is no Christ. For Christ is enough himself. You need not look for another. You need not look to another. You need any other aids, any other assistance. All you got, all you need is locked up in Christ. Do you understand me? All you need. <laughs> all you need is in Christ. Do you understand me? All I need is in Christ. He is all sufficient. I don't need anything else. I can get it all in him. Is that right? Have you, have you perfectly kept the law? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have kept the law. I, 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 yes, I'm a law keeper. I perfectly kept the law. I did, I did, I did, I did. You're not perfect. I did keep the law. I perfectly kept the law. Where did you keep it? In Christ. The penalty of sin has been paid for. In Christ. Eternal security is guaranteed in Christ. I'm sealed. I'm locked up in the body of Christ. You've got to cut him open to get me out. And you'd come closer to breaking the bars of hell than to get me out of Christ. I tell you, God Almighty, I tell you I'm, I'm satisfied with my sufficiency. I'm happy with it. Do you understand me? My security, my security, my security is in Jesus Christ. I'm bound to him. I'm bonded to him. You can't break me loose. I'm happy right there because all I need is in him. Don't tell me. Don't, don't hush your mouth. Don't you tell me what I got to do. It's already been done. It's already been done. Everything I need has been done. It was done for me in Christ. When they said I can find no fault in him, I grinned. <laughs> I shouted. Because in Christ is my sufficiency. Now, brethren, I don't go to the Lord's table that I might be saved. No, ma'am and sir, I don't. I don't come to Bible conferences to get saved. And I don't pray to get right with God either. Because I'm right with God. I'm right with God. I'm right with God. You better stop that and get right. I'm right with God. Because God is just as much pleased with me 
as he is with his son. And I know that's hard to swallow. That's, that's, that puts a lump right here in a man's throat. And he said, well, I agree with you, but don't start your button. Say amen. When I make that statement, we don't need a button. We need a hallelujah. He would do anything in the world tonight to get you to turn from the simplicity that's in Christ. I don't. I, don't, I really don't get up and just pick on. Um, I, I don't. I don't fight folk. I. I used to. I don't do it too much now. Unless they bother me real bad. But I was out to the little mall at home the other day with my wife. We was out of the mall. And a little store there. She was in the store. This lady came in and we were busy. My wife was trying to make me buy something and I didn't want to buy it and didn't want to spend the money. And she kept on saying, oh, honey, it was for her. That was good on me. And this lady came in. And she came by. Uh, she says, uh, Elder Ward, hallelujah, praise the Lord. How are you? Sister Ward, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, how are you? And she, wa she walked on by, and the, the lady came up to her to the desk, and she said, uh, uh, may I help you? She said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Yes, you may help me. And, and, and uh, uh, well, the man came over, and he, was, he and another fellow, I don't know if it was his son or who it was, and, 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 he, and this boy was looking at a class ring. And his daddy said, that's too large. You need to have that size down. She said, oh, praise the Lord, young man. Hear your father. Praise the Lord, young man. Hear your father. Praise the Lord. And, and the lady was waiting, and my wife said, why is she doing that I said she's trying to call attention to herself for she's been beguiled she has turned from the simplicity of Christ and she's calling attention to herself because religion will make you do that you know that was not necessary that was foolish and all that hallelujah praise the Lord she still didn't have any money to buy that ring she wanted Brothers and sisters, if we ever give them time to speak a word, we'll speak about our Lord, won't we? Huh? We'll speak about our Lord. Because I want the world to know it. I'm going to my seat. Sorry, John, I'm taking too long. I'm going to do better next time. I was tired tonight. <laughs> I want men to know. I love to tell it over and over and over. All you'll ever need in this world is in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.